It's Tom Bilyeu here. And if you are addicted to the relentless pursuit of greatness, then I've got something special for you guys. The Motivation Daily Podcast by Motiversity. It's your daily fix of motivation, inspiration, and wisdom featuring the best speeches and speakers on the planet. We cover it all. Life, business, relationships, discipline, purpose, mental health, sports, studying, focus, you name it. With exclusive speeches from heavy hitters like Coach Payne, Billy Allsbrooks, Marcus Taylor, Dr. Jessica Houston, Walter Bond, and more. If you're ready to take control, level up, or just crush your day, then Motivation Daily Podcast is your secret weapon. Search for the Motivation Daily Podcast and follow wherever you listen to amazing podcasts. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Live Amma. It is good to have you. And for anybody watching that was at the live event that we did last night, that was amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And I, this is definitely my first Amma since we crossed 100K. I can't remember, had we already crossed 100K during Relationship Theory, perhaps? Uh, but nonetheless, we have crossed 100,000 on YouTube. Big it up, big it up, big it up. That is amazing. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely incredible. This community is bonkers. Uh, so just eternally, eternally grateful that <laughs> we're having technical difficulties. What a surprise. Um, very excited. All right, before we dive in, I do want to make the ask. If you guys could, if this is adding value to your life, please do share it. Our real goal, as all of the diehards out there know, is 115 by October 1st, 115,000 on YouTube. Uh, by October 1st, we've been going behind the scenes. That's why we didn't really do anything big when we hit 100K, because that wasn't our real goal. It's certainly a neat milestone, and Dr. Finesse was over the moon, because that certainly helps him. But 115K on YouTube, is our goal by the end of September. So it would be amazing if you guys would share this. And if you haven't already, by the way, if you're on Facebook, if you could go over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button, that would be amazing. All right. Now, theoretically, without further ado, we are ready, Chase, for the first question. Nice. All right. Well, we'll vamp because that is easy enough. All right. So let us talk about last night a little bit more. I think that would be very exciting. So here's what was really cool. If you guys don't know drama from Young and Reckless, you gotta go check that guy out. He is actually rapidly becoming one of my favorite entrepreneurs. He is insanely humble. He's quite funny. And most importantly, he really understands his business. And when we were doing uh, the Q&A with him last night at the event, he really was elucidating principles of retail, where the retail game is going. So for anybody that's in that space, and obviously the most um, important thing that I can say about anybody is that their advice is real and his advice is very real. So he's the founder of Young and Reckless and really has done an amazing job of um, what he says, wanting to avoid becoming just a celebrity with a merch line. And he's done a lot more than that. He's really gone into the business, figured out how it works, run it as a, a true CEO, uh, just really, really excited 
exciting to see him grow and get better by learning. And at the end of the day, that process of diving into something, learning how it works, really getting good. And I remember this was a piece of advice that my father-in-law gave me that I promptly ignored. And don't worry, I've since apologized to him and very much adopted this mentality. But he said, the most important thing in business is to know more about the topic than anybody else in the room. And if you don't see an echo of that in my preparation for the interviews, um, then I'm not doing a good job of explaining it. That was something that when he said it, I am so sad to report that it did not hit me. But for whatever weird reason, it really stuck with me. And it was one of those things that I thought about and thought about and thought about. And then it finally manifested itself in me realizing that to get good at anything, whether that's business, whether that's interviewing, it really is that level of preparation. It is about going above and beyond to get good at something. And I was thinking about this last night at the event, and there's always like a thousand questions that I get asked about how you build a business, um, you know, whatever your dream is, how do you go and actually manifest it? And the honest answer to everything is get better get better. And I've had really talented um, artists begin reaching out to me on Instagram because obviously that's a huge focus for us. And the next phase is going to be getting writers, getting um, artists, bringing them together, creating amazing comic books in phase one. And they'll have like a really small following and they'll say, you know, like, what, what am I doing wrong? What's the secret? And the truth is, even though they're really good, they've got to get a lot better. And when you can be world-class, but admit that you're not yet undeniable, because there's unfortunately a lot of people that are world-class, like think about it, you make it to the Olympics, your whole life you've been busting your ass, you finally make it, you're one of the best in your country, truly a world-class player, but you come in seventh, eighth, it's you haven't gotten to the point where you're so good that you can't be ignored. And that like, in today's world where social media rules everything and anyone can get on there, create noise, you've got to find a way to cut through the clutter. And the way to cut through the clutter, one of, there's more, and I will recommend Perennial Seller by our boy Ryan Holiday. Really interesting book, really excited. I think we've booked him for like November. That'll be a lot of fun. But his, in his book, he talks about several of the other things you're going to do. But I'll say that the most important one is to get so good that you, you cannot be ignored, cannot be ignored. So if you're being ignored, by the way, the world has told you that you've not yet gotten to where you want to get to. So um, everybody knows my obsession with Disney. Read the Disney biography. In times of trouble, Disney always came back around to make the product better, make the product better. And so that's one of the things that I really respond to with drama as an entrepreneur is he just knew he had to get better. He had to learn. He had to push his craft. He had to understand the game of retail. He had to know not only where it is now, but where it's going. And that has been one of the things that I'll say has been absolutely key to him transcending being a celebrity with a merch line. So that's been really, really cool. All right, so we've got our first question up from Facebook. This one is from Daniel Breeze. Hey, Tom, I'm 25 and haven't ever had to throw down 
less once in the seventh grade. I've been thinking about this for some time, and though I've never been a fighter, I think it's important that I become the person who is able to protect this his significant other. What do you think is the best way to approach this situation? All right, well, if you believe that that's one of the things you need to do is learn how to fight, the great news is, in today's environment, going out and enrolling in an MMA class and really learning how to fight should be very, very easy. Even if you live in a relatively obscure town, I've got to imagine that there's still gonna be a class that you could take Worst case scenario, buy a punching bag and watch a whole lot of YouTube videos. And might I suggest, Faraz Sahabi, I have a, I have a moral obligation to make that guy famous. Faraz Sahabi is one of the most incredible human beings I've ever encountered. The way that his mind works is absolutely amazing. He is a warrior philosopher. Uh, I just find him utterly, utterly fascinating. He's an MMA coach. He coaches George St. Pierre and a whole bunch of other amazing fighters. His gym is called TriStar Gym. So if you happen to be frequenting the uh, Montreal area, might I suggest TriStar. Um, but going out, getting good, practicing it, getting to the point where um, you feel very comfortable in a physical altercation, it is purely a question of time and will. So yeah, that one is very easy to overcome. All right, Facebook question. Chris German, are there... Yes. Oh, Oh shit. You guys ready for this? So we are, thank you by the way. And by the way, can I just take a second? I want to acknowledge Agent Smith for doing exactly what I've asked people to do. Don't whisper. Uh, don't try to like secretly flag me down. Just fucking yell it out. So thank you for that. Uh, mad respect. Communication at its finest, boys and girls. So we're going live. We are working with Alexa. So Amazon Alexa. Working with that technology. I almost referred to it as her. It's not actually a person, though sometimes it feels like it. Uh, we're working with that technology to be a part of their daily flash briefings. So launching today, has it already launched? Do you know? Nice. So go right now, if you have an Amazon Echo, which is where Alexa lives, go there, add me to your flash briefing. You can do it in the app. You do a quick search for Tom Bilyeu. It'll pop up. Add me to your flash briefing. We're recording content. We're recording literally daily content specifically for that day. Uh, so go check it out. I'm really excited about it. I actually had a lot of fun recording this content. Um, I tried to make it super punchy. They're all about 90 seconds max. None of them are longer than that. Um, and I think that they're gonna be interesting, useful, empowering, all that good stuff. So go check it out right now. Let me become a part of your life. Uh, so get me on your Alexa and make sure you call out for that flash briefing. And then secrets on secrets on secrets. We're working on another thing with Alexa and I cannot wait for this to come out. Gonna need a little bit more time on this one, but if we can fucking pull it off, it is gonna be unbelievable. All right, Facebook question, Chris German, are there any recorded benefits of ketosis for people with ADHD or autism type personalities? Chase, how bold do we go here? That's really the question. Okay. Uh, I can't begin to tell you on ADHD. I have no idea. I haven't looked that one up or read anything about it. There is some insanely controversial information about autism. This is really interesting. I want everyone to understand right now, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna talk about something I'm fascinated by and not something that I think that I have definitive answers. I don't think anyone has definitive answers, but there's some really interesting data about autism being at least partly influenced by your microbiome biome, your microbiome is definitely influenced by ketosis. So read a book called The Gut 
brain, gut mind. Oh God, I'm failing myself right now. It's either the gut brain connection or the gut mind connection. I can't remember. Mind gut. Thank you, Chase. My man. Um, so mind gut connection, really, really interesting book. Read that. He talks about it in there. Uh, he will do a much better job than I will, but the way, so, oh man, I'm going to drag you down a path really fast. Just a fascination. So here's something everybody, I think everybody knows. Right now, I'm trying to fix Lisa's microbiome problem, so I am going to learn as much as I need to learn, and if that takes me all the way to needing to become the world's foremost expert on the microbiome, I will do that. I'm certainly not that now, uh, but I'm putting in the work. There is a theory that goes, and I don't know how true this is, but once you that basically you're not going to be able to actually adjust on a permanent basis the makeup of your microbiome. So the actual bacteria that are in there, you can take probiotics, but they don't create a permanent adjustment of your, um, your system, which I am horrified by. I really hope that's not true, but that's something that I've read in multiple places now. But what you can have massive impact over are the metabolites that the microbiota are producing. So it goes that if you have, and there's some scary statistics, I don't have them memorized, but some scary statistics, if you don't um, do a vaginal birth, that your the infant then is not subjected to the microbiome that um, in the vagina, which they would normally be, which then seeds the microbiome, which is part of our natural evolution. So you can actually tell whether somebody, just by looking at their microbiota, you can tell if somebody was a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth it's possible that one of the things that ends up causing somebody to fall on the autism spectrum disorder, and again, this is all speculation and speculation from somebody who's just beginning their journey of educating themselves, but there's speculation that that, what they call dysbiosis, not having the proper um, microbiome can be feeding into the neurological uh, disorder of autism. So it is very intriguing to see where this goes. I'm trying to be very careful with my language. I do not want to overstate something, but it's very intriguing to see where this goes. And since I read that, I've started asking people who are like, oh, my cousin has um, autism. And the first question I ask is, were they a cesarean birth or were they vaginal? And totally anecdotal, but so far, every time I've asked that question, I've asked it three or four times, Every time the answer has been that they were a cesarean birth. So don't know. Um, I get it. It's sometimes better that than them not to have been born or to put the mother in danger. So, I mean, it just is what it is. But it'll be really interesting to see as that science progresses. All right. Uh, Facebook question, Pablo Alejandro. Thank you, Tom Bilyeu, for what you were doing. My question, how many times a day do you need to redirect your mind to focus on positive? That is entirely specific to you. So um, every person is going to be very different. I have spent so many years focusing on the positive. Now it is very much ingrained in me to do that automatically. So there's actually very few times where I have to forcefully put myself there. Um, I just tend to look at things optimistically. I tend to look at things as being my fault, which means that I'm in control. So I just automatically default to those mental systems. Uh, so I don't struggle with that a lot, but I used to very dramatically. And in the beginning, it was 
constant. And I was probably doing it a hundred times a day. I'm not kidding in the beginning. And you just do that day after day after day until it becomes um, just a part of the way that you think. All right. Facebook question, Colby Wallingsford. What's your suggestion on having debt, having to be in a job because of the debt and doing your best to stay a personal, start a personal training business? What I love. Okay. So Avoid debt whenever humanly possible, but I'm guessing that you already have the debt, so that becomes um, a moot point at this point. I was talking to somebody last night who took on a massive amount of debt. Um, Student loans are sort of their own beast, so I'm gonna pretend for a minute that you have student loans because they're the hardest kind of loan to deal with. If you have student loans, please know that even a bankruptcy is not gonna clear those out. They survive bankruptcy. So whatever student loans you have as of right now, that is forever. There is no getting rid of that but you can renegotiate them. So I am not an expert on renegotiating student loans, so I'm sure you can find gaggles of videos on YouTube. I would just do a search for renegotiating student loans. Um, Go to them, renegotiate if you can. If you can, great. Now you've got a reduced amount that you're gonna have to pay off. If you can't, then you've gotta suck it up. And this is just facts, man. I don't want it to be this way, but it is this way. You're going to need to cut your expenses to the quick. Live with your parents if they'll let you. Uh, Don't worry about what other people think. If you can't live with your parents, do something like I used to uh, manage apartment complexes. So when I was broke, I managed uh, apartment complexes I've had everywhere from $400 for a two-bedroom apartment in West Hollywood, which was unbelievably cheap all the way down to a free apartment in a less desirable area. So um, that is something that I find nobody even really tries to explore and is something that could be really advantageous. Take roommates. If I needed to, I would live in a studio apartment that had you know six people sleeping on top of each other. Like whatever you need to do to make sure that your expenses are next to nothing, so that you can aggressively pay off that student debt. Um, so this is one of those times where you're gonna have to suck it up for five, six, seven years, whatever you need to do to make sure that you get that debt down so that it isn't something that hangs over your life forever. I was speaking to somebody yesterday, they had $825,000 in debt. Yikes, that's scary. That's the kind of thing that you have to address. Otherwise, it just spirals out of control. So having said that, I will also say that you can make the demands that you make money doing what you love. So if you want to do the personal training business and you've got a significant amount of debt, then really start thinking about how do you blow that up? So get your expenses down to the quick and focus on scaling your business as big as you can. So I will tell you that exchanging time for money, which is what most people do when they're training, is not the way. You're never going to make enough money. So you need to find a way that scales. Online is the most obvious example. Becoming a fitness influencer is another example. Uh, Building out courses that you charge for. Like these are all the ways that you can scale so that it can reach a lot of people. Um, So that's part of my obsession with scale is it allows you to have a lot more resources at your disposal, help a lot more people, um, and just be capable of more because money is the great facilitator. All right. Facebook question, Dan Morell. Is it okay to eat three plus quest bars a day with a busy schedule? I find myself eating more bars in a day than I probably should. Here's the thing. The honest answer is yes, you can absolutely eat them. It's not going to be a problem, but is less than ideal. So as the guy who is incentivized to tell you to eat as many quest bars as possible, I'm here to tell you, you want to eat whole food whenever you can. That, that is absolutely ideal. Um, Every like bit away from that you get and the more into processed foods you get, the worse it is. So I would say, look at your own results. So I eat 
a lot of Quest products uh, because I am lazy and I want something that tastes delicious. Not because I think it's optimal, by the way, uh, but I am obsessed with the Quest chips. I'll eat four bags of them today because I'm in a high protein cycle right now and it will be glorious. Um, so like on a high protein day, I'll eat four bags of Quest chips. I'll eat the Quest cereal bar once and then I'll eat the Quest peanut butter, the protein peanut butter cups once as well. So I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying that is what I do. I have been doing that for years. I get good results out of it. But even I know I'd be better off eating chicken breast right now. So thems is the truth. All right. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. It's Tom Bilyeu here. And if you are addicted to the relentless pursuit of greatness, then I've got something special for you guys. The Motivation Daily Podcast by Motiversity. It's your daily fix of motivation, inspiration, and wisdom featuring the best speeches and speakers on the planet. We cover it all. Life, business, relationships, discipline, purpose, mental health, sports, studying, focus, you name it. With exclusive speeches from heavy hitters like Coach Payne, Billy Allsbrooks, Marcus Taylor, Dr. Jessica Houston, Walter Bond, and more. If you're ready to take control, level up, or just crush your day, then Motivation Daily Podcast is your secret weapon. Search for the Motivation Daily Podcast and follow wherever you listen to amazing podcasts. Jalil Zerdani, Facebook, apart from focusing on giving value and focusing on your mission, what are the best financial habits you recommend for becoming richer? Okay, well, I will just say you don't save your way to wealth. So that is, um, uh, there's, 
Becoming richer is a very tricky question. So first of all, let's define richer. Uh, I think that emotional well-being is first and foremost the most important. I think living below your means is the next most important so that money isn't stressful. I think having six months of your salary saved is absolutely critical to knowing that you can at any time go in and quit your job. Then you're showing up because you choose to and even though you may have the exact same job that you had before you had six months saving, the way that you feel about that job will be dramatically different because every day is a choice. And once it's a choice and you don't feel like you have a gun to your head, everything changes. I recognize it is very hard to save up that kind of money, but here's the thing, make a few hard choices and you can change your life forever. So when Lisa and I decided that we were going to found Quest, I cut my pay down to a third of what it was before that. We sold one of our cars. Um, we kept the piece of crap beater car. We shared that. I used to bum rides off employees. I mean, and just not be embarrassed about it. And you do whatever you have to do to chase the things that make you feel fulfilled, that give you that sense of excitement, that make you feel alive. And that's gonna come with hardship. It's going to come with difficult choices. But if mentally you know you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for your own reasons, it is a very, very different journey. All right. YouTube question. Tula Mazloom. Mazloom. Tula Mazloom. I'm going to go with that. Can you tell me your most influential quote advice you can give to keep moving forward? I don't know that anybody's ever given me advice on that, but I will tell you that in your question is already the answer, and that is to keep moving forward. So there's a famous quote, if you're going through hell, keep going. Forget who said it, maybe Chase knows. Um, but keep moving. That that really is the key. There is no magic formula to it. It's, I feel insecure, I feel afraid, I feel like I wanna give up. Like you have all those feelings and your answer is, but I'm the type of person that pushes forward anyway, right? It all comes back to identity. So. Tell yourself what type of person you are, which is aspirational. That's how it starts. And then act in accordance with that. And that's how you're going to get where you want to go. All right. YouTube, Ashitosh Siwulal. That's a cool name. I really want to hear that said well. Um, how, how to regain focus when you lose track about your vision in life. I write things down, man. Like keep it really simple. There, nothing fancy about it. I keep a list. It's called important things. I obsessively go through that list. It is the most important things that I could be doing to move me towards my goals. I go over it every day. It is on my calendar. I schedule that shit out. I make sure that I get to it. That just deadly simple. Just having something there where it's like, oh yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Oh yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. There it is every day staring me in my face with the actionable steps. This is one of those ones where I want to eat the microphone. It's all about actionable steps, my friends. Uh, so make sure that you're taking actionable steps. All right, YouTube, Mr. Orange Fuse. We all want to be successful. We all go through ups and downs, but over time, many of us seem to lose that drive. How does one maintain their drive long-term? This is very, very easy to answer. You need to be excited by what you're trying to accomplish. It needs to make you feel more alive so that it is this self-reinforcing thing that as you're pursuing it, you're having fun, you're having a great time. It's a challenge, it's pushing you. It's like game mechanics, right? Video games would be boring when you have the cheat codes and you can just kill everybody. It's gotta be hard and it's gotta be like, I'm clawing my way, I'm getting a little bit better and every day I get to see, oh my God, this is real. I can actually do something today that I couldn't yesterday. That is so intoxicating to humans. Guys, 
push yourself, man. Set challenges for yourself. Really be trying to do something, especially when it's in service of something that you give a shit about. That, that, that is it. That is the thing. And if you think you're doing that, then the thing that you're pursuing just isn't something you give a shit about. It's not something that when you imagine actually doing, obtaining, and having, that it gives you more energy. Like people ask me all the time, how do I have the level of energy that I have? Which by the way, I was out last night answering questions until midnight and I'm here, motherfucking crushing it. And the reason that I have the kind of energy that I have is twofold. One, I understand ATP and the way that mitochondria actually generate energy within the cells. So I eat right, I exercise, even though I don't want to. And today, let me tell you, when I was skipping meditation and thinkitation to fucking work out, I was not happy about it. But that's how you create energy. That's how you make sure that you have the energy reserves, which is a huge part of staying excited and amped up and being able to have the energy to push through. Uh, and then the other thing that I understand is when I'm excited, it's like Superman and his yellow sun. That is the perfect analogy for passion. When you're passionate about what you're doing, and I've gone on so many diatribes, I won't do it here unless somebody asks a question, about how you create a passion. It's not something you find, you develop it. That once you've created that in your life and you have that thing and you're acting in accordance with that and that thing that you're pushing yourself and driving yourself to do is moving you towards that thing that is very exciting for you, makes you feel alive, makes you feel like you're becoming the person that you want to become and then going back to game mechanics that you've gained a skill, that skill has use, it's hard as hell, but you're able to do it like the human animals wired for that. Put yourself in that situation. All right, YouTube, Amanda Nicole, what advice would you give to someone with a chronic progressive autoimmune disease, MS, about feeling defeated once no longer able to be the overachiever they once were, very frustrating. All right, Amanda, I want you to lean fucking close right now. If you're at a computer, scoot that laptop closer, inch in towards the monitor and listen very closely. No one is coming to save you. This is all on you. And that sucks. And I get it. And that feels overwhelming. But right now, you're going to flip a switch in your mind and you're going to realize that you can become the foremost expert in MS, that you can figure out how to mitigate your symptoms, and that you're going to have to leverage will to overcome some of the, which I don't know enough about MS to know how it affects the energy production in your body, but I'm going to assume that it's fucking terrible. And that for you to produce ATP is absolutely an atrocity, but there's gonna be some period of every day that you have that's better than the rest. If that's in the morning, if that's midday, if it's right after a meal, if it's at, at night, whatever that is, you're gonna take that time. And if it's 15 minutes where you feel good, every day come hell or fucking high water, you're going to spend that time to figure out what you need to do to take that next step to get a little bit better. Maybe there's something that you can do with your diet. From what I understand, again, I'm not an expert, but MS has a big response to vitamin D levels. So fucking move somewhere warm, do whatever you have to, get a sunbed, whatever you have to, start a GoFundMe account to buy you a tanning bed, look up Dr. Mercola. Like there are things that you can do, but it all starts with research, learn, don't wait for anybody else because nobody, for obvious reasons, is going to care about solving your MS problems like you do. Nobody. So take the fucking reins. Do not make excuses. You have every, like, no one is going to blame you if you make excuses. And those excuses are valid, but they're totally unhelpful.
And once you understand that they are valid, but totally unhelpful, hopefully you will cease making even a one and you will just go, go, go. And I'm, I'm really pissed with myself right now because I read in a book not too long ago, the story of a guy, and I don't even remember what fucking book this was in, but the story of a guy who had something, I don't think it was MS, but it was something where literally he only had 15 minutes a day where he felt anywhere approaching reasonable. And he had been like, I don't remember, he had built like a huge hedge fund or something and he lost everything because his energy levels were just so fucking low. And then one day he said, nope, no more. I'm gonna take responsibility for this. I'm gonna figure this out. And if all I have is 15 minutes a day, then that's what I'm gonna use to start getting better. And then that 15 minutes turned into 30. And then five years later, it was an hour. And then five years after that, it was feeling good most of the time. But it was like that slow fucking slog. And he just knew I've gotta figure this out. So there is a way to claw back 100%. It isn't going to be easy. There's no question about that. And you've got to say, how is having MS the best thing that ever happened to me? And really look for the real answer. Don't bullshit yourself. Give yourself a real answer. And if, that, if all it's done for you is give you compassion for other people, great. That's going to be the anchor that you hold on to right now. That's going to be the port in the storm that because I'm going through this and I have a certain level of mental fortitude, I'm gonna be able to give back to other people or I'm gonna be able to research this stuff and all the other people that don't know where to start, I'm gonna start a blog and it's gonna be about that. It's gonna be written in 15 minute increments once a week, whatever, but I'm gonna publish this stuff and I'm gonna help other people, right? I don't know if that's your truth, but like find that. How is MS the best thing that ever happened to you? Because if you look for that answer, you will find it. All right, Facebook, Sony Field Linebarger. I've heard you speak about being betrayed by people who are close to you. I experienced being betrayed by a very respected mentor of mine, likely feeling threatened, played a part in it. What's your advice and how to deal with it? Um, so first of all, I have a rule that light and dark are both very useful. So anytime somebody betrays me, they go on the list. And if you're on the list at the times where I am feeling my absolute darkest, I am down. I'm feeling defeated and all of the beautiful things in my life, all of the things that I'm grateful for, all of the wonderful things that I want to do for others and for myself are not enough to keep me going. At that moment, I think about the list and I think about the people that are on it and I think about how fucking angry it makes me and how much I will bury them with my success. That I will bury them with my success. And as Frank Sinatra said, the greatest revenge is massive success. Now, I never spend more than 20% of my time there because that can become very corrosive and it will eat away at who you are and your ability to enjoy your life. But they've done studies. If you want somebody to be able to tolerate acute pain for a longer period of time, let them get angry. And the people that you let externalize their anger, swear, yell, whatever they have to do, they can take 30% more pain. It's pretty incredible. So it is a very useful tactic. And then on the flip side of that, when I'm not in darkness mode, um, I'm thinking I'm meeting them with compassion. And I get it. And look, I understand. And almost certainly they didn't betray you for the sake of betraying you. They didn't betray you because there's some evil person. They betrayed you out of weakness. They betrayed you um, because they just haven't, figured out how to save themselves. A drowning man takes other people with him, right? And so to understand that this is probably not coming from a beautiful place in their life, that they're probably really struggling pretty profoundly with something um, and to have understanding for that. So I don't waste time on it. Um, I put them on my list. I dip into that when I need it. But the rest of the time, I'm not thinking about it, A, or B, if I am thinking about it, I'm really 
hoping that things go better for them. I meet it with understanding and I just take ownership for everything in my life. So if they betrayed me, I'm asking, what did I do to create the environment where they would want to betray me? Um, so just take that extreme ownership. All right, YouTube, that blank guy. Hey, Tom, thanks for these rapid fire Q&A. Live streams are extremely valuable. Thank you, man. Um, do when you self-reflect, what I, I think that's do, or if you do, when you self-reflect, what are some of the questions you ask yourself at that point in the day? Um, I self-reflect almost constantly. And I'm everything that I think about is always goal oriented. So for instance, um, we did the live event last night. I thought it went really well. I am so insanely proud of this team. I really, really can't tell who all's here. Uh, I really hope everybody's listening right now. The team fucking smashed it. Mad shout out to Cindy and Jared who led up the event. I'm I was blown away. We oversold the event by like 20%. It was madness. Uh, it, uh, I was so happy last night, guys. That was really incredible and mad love to the community for coming out. It was just a beautiful, beautiful event. Was not sure how it was gonna play out because we've never done one where we had ticket um, sales before. It was like, how many tickets will we bought at the last minute? And so at first it was like, oh man, we're gonna be like, 30% empty. And so then to be 20% oversold was fucking unbelievable. And I'm looking at Agent Smith here. I'd be looking at Cindy if she were around. Uh, just really, really amazing, man. I'm super, super impressed. Now I say all of that because then that's where I was last night. I just wanted to think about how well it went, everything that went well, drama fucking smashed it, met uh, a new guy who will now be in our ecosystem. Mark uh, was great. He went up, did his thing. It was really just overall an amazing event. And then as always, I'm so grateful for the time that people spend asking questions. But this morning when I woke up, I thought, okay, what could I have done better? And I just started thinking about what were all the things that I could do then to get to the next level? How could I have answered questions better? How could my talk portion been better? Um, what are the things that I should adjust? So um, I find that we all have a negative voice and the negative voice is gonna kick things at you. This was bad, you could have done this better and all that. And I used to think that I wanted to silence that voice and then I realized it has extreme utility. So I listen to that voice. I don't always heed its advice. I don't always believe what it says, but I always listen to it. So, cause I wanna hear. And I don't think anybody is going to give you more brutal feedback than yourself. That's for sure. So really taking the time to listen to it. And you have to be careful what you um, take on board. Excuse me, but always listen. All right. So yeah, self-reflection, goal-oriented, looking at what I'm trying to accomplish. And I, I probably spend the bulk of my time reflecting on what are the steps that I really need to take to actually get the business off the ground and relentlessly um, looking at metrics. Is this actually working? And by the way, am I looking at the right metrics or should I be looking at something else? All right, YouTube, The Thinker, what is the percentage of you feeling the flow on a weekly basis and what do you like to do to get you back on track? It's a great question. Um, I would say that I probably feel inflow about 30% of the time. Um, to get myself back in flow, I there are certain things that, that put me in flow. Meditation puts me in flow, so I just make sure that I meditate. Um, doing content puts me in flow, so this is, like if I were, and this happens a lot, uh, I'll sit down to do one of these, and I won't be feeling it. And I'm like not in the mood at all to do the content. And then I say, okay, I'm gonna see how quickly I can get into a flow state. I don't know how to explain it other than I give my brain the signal to speed up. 
And as I give my brain the signal to speed up, I force myself to talk faster. There are things that I do from a physiological level to do it. I sit up a little bit straighter. I force myself to talk faster, which forces everything that's a distraction to whittle down to nothing till all that's left is the question and the answer. Um, so that is one of the ways that I trigger myself to get back into flow. If I'm working on a contract, believe it or not, every now and then I can get to a flow state there. I put on a particular song, which by the way is Alice's, I don't know if it's Alice's theme song, uh, but from um, um, Alice, it's not Alice in Wonderland, but it's the Tim Burton one. Danny Elfman did the score. There's something about that song that just fucking locks me in. And then it's going to sound stupid, but I sit up straight, I lean in and I furrow my brow. And that for whatever reason with contracts really fucking just gets me in that zone. All right. Uh, next question is from Saikichi Kuma. Hi, Tom. Thank you and the Impact Theory team for all you guys do. My question, you often talk about how you prioritize reading via listening to audiobooks. I've adopted this practice, but I struggle with remembering and processing the ideas I consume. What are some of the techniques you use to internalize concepts you come across when reading listening? Uh, about how I prioritize reading via listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the process that I use to internalize, I take notes. So that's really important. I try to tell people out loud something that I've learned so that in teaching it to other people that it's really reinforcing it in my own mind. And then if it's something that I can apply immediately, I apply immediately. And that one, taking actionable things away and really going hard, that that's super, super critical. And if you're only gonna do one of the three, do that one. All right, Facebook, Franklin Mejia. What is the percentage of you, nope, already did that one, but under a new name, that seems very surprising. All right, Hesam Fadafer. Hey Tom, how do you feel about this whole cryptocurrency craze? Do you think this is just a phase or something that could stick long-term? Man, I think that it's gonna stick long-term. I think that it's as generations grow up with it and it's not this sort of weird jarring thing that it is for, like when I first heard about it, I was like, what? Very bizarre. Uh, and but the more I learn about it, the more fascinating it becomes. But I think governments are gonna have a real fucking seizure over this. And I think that the, the battle per se is, is still yet to be had. Um, I think that, man, I'm, I'm outside of my lane now, full disclosure. Now that I've disclosed that, I don't mind having a bit of a waffle here for a second. Um, my gut instinct is that banks like the federal bank, which isn't a governmental institution, the relationships and pull that they have with the government is going to be, it's just so insanely strong that it's going to be hard to stave off all the attempts at changing legislation. But when the populace speaks, the populace speaks. And if there can be enough adoption of people that take cryptocurrency before it gets shut down, that you might be able to get enough uh, momentum going on that. It could get very, very interesting. So um, we'll see. I don't have any big investment. I have exactly zero crypto coins. I know somebody who's working on an app around um, the blockchain, which of course they accept cryptocurrency. And what they're doing on the blockchain is really, really interesting because they're making digital goods um, limited in quantity, which is exactly what you have to do to get digital goods to have real value and you can exchange it for things. So this is something I told them, I really want to partner with them and do something cool so that when you come to an impact theory event, for instance, that hidden within that event, they're hidden. This is how their app works. 
um, within that event, there would be certain items there that you would be able to um, get. Let's say there were five tickets to our next event or something, or five um, icons that you could turn into then some of our swag and you could go exchange it in real time, doing things like that. I think it'd be pretty cool. I'm actually gonna look up what this app is called, which I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but I think is on my homepage. It is uh, Vatomic Viewer. So little V, big A. So little V, Atomic Viewer. Um, I think you can download it. I won't swear to that. Um, but that what he's doing there is really, really interesting. And I'm excited to see where that goes. All right. Uh, Simland, this is from Facebook. How do you maintain an anti-fragile brand image? Never thought of main the, I don't know that the brand can be anti-fragile. So anti-fragile is the more something is attacked, the stronger it becomes. You've given me a lot to think about. I'm gonna answer the question from the individual perspective. I think of brand as needing to be flexible and I find that that's actually brutally difficult to do because people want to put you in a box. They sort of need to put you in a box. Going back to Ryan Holiday's perennial seller, if you have a product, you should want your product to be put in a box. It means people actually understand it. Um, so I don't know if it applies to brands. I haven't thought enough about that. Hedge, 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 in case I change my mind later. Uh, but people can become truly anti-fragile. And to do that, you wanna switch your identity to being that of the learner, of somebody that's always willing to admit that they're wrong, uh, to change direction, to identify the right answer faster than other people. Doing that is truly anti-fragile. So that way, if somebody tells you that you're dumb, it's like, great, I just have one more question for you. In what way? Because if you tell me in what way I'm dumb, I'm more than happy to take that on. Now I can go educate myself. And you've pointed out a blind spot that I can now cure. So. That is anti-fragile in humans. If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third-generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right, Facebook, Christian Pev. I sold a startup and failed another one. I have since been doing consulting, but I am considering a job. I don't feel like a specialist and don't know how to position myself until my next startup idea or collaboration comes. Any advice? So Jay Samet has the best advice in the world. If you go watch our video, um, Jay talks about what that looks like in terms of how to generate your next startup idea. So we did an episode with him, check that out. Read his book, Disrupt You. He really, really, really goes into great detail about this. As a short answer, it's basically every day catalog the problems that you have. Um, so sitting in traffic, um, dull knives, whatever, just make a list of all the things that you run into on a daily basis and then think of how you could solve them. That's how you come up with your next idea. 
when you find something that really resonates with you and it's a problem that you think can scale and be big and is something that you'd be interested in fixing. Um, but Jay is a fascinating character who also happens to take jobs as an entrepreneur at times and has worked for some of the world's biggest companies. So it all comes down to like what you're feeling. So if you're feeling like right now, I want to have a job, I want to go in, I want to leverage my skills as somebody who's entrepreneurial minded, but I want to do it within the framework of a company. I don't have any ideas that I'm really excited about right now. Fantastic, man. That's not a problem. Do that. Dive in. Go be super valuable to somebody somewhere. Um, and if you're playing at a high enough level, you may also be able to get equity in the company. Obviously, it's going to be relatively small, but if you can help the company grow, it could still have significant financial advantages to you, especially if that company is planning to sell or IPO in the next, say, three to five years. So there's a lot of ways for you to monetize that skill set. Don't feel bad if that's what you want to do. Like that is such a rad choice. And the vast majority of the world isn't going to and mathematically can't be running their own company. Otherwise, it all falls apart. Everybody be a solopreneur. So um, yeah, I, I feel sort of in the question that you don't feel great about needing a job um, or maybe even wanting a job. I think that is absolutely a-okay. Just make sure you choose wisely and it's a company that lights you on fire. You love what they're about. You dig their culture, which by the way, thank you, Chase. Uh, watch that Ray Dalio TED Talk, which is really fascinating about um, how he runs his company culture man, you want to talk about my fantasy, which is radical openness in the group. So everybody just says everything they're thinking and feeling there in front of everybody else. Um, I'm all about that. I have actually requested that my team give me aggressive feedback uh, in front of everybody else. And my fantasy would be that everybody get to the point where they're very comfortable with that. I think it is way better. Um, all right, Trevor Eddy, this is from YouTube. Do you have any experience with lucid dreaming and its benefits as someone vastly interested in the human brain? I'm guessing you do. Curious to hear your thoughts. I have exactly zero experience with lucid dreaming. Um, never spent a lot of time thinking about it. Um, I don't know if maybe that's just how I dream and that as soon as I become aware of it, I wake up. Um, or it's just that I've been lazy and haven't put any energy into it. Either way, I literally have no experience and cannot be useful to you. I apologize, Trevor Eddy. All right, YouTube, August 23. Tom, how do you feel about spending time on like video games, novels, movies, and feeling guilty because it doesn't feel productive and as such enjoy it as much? All right, so I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of years um, not playing video games, not reading fiction. I always read nonfiction. Um, and I went through a real dry spell with movies and TV. I won't say that I never watched them because that was something that my wife and I would enjoy as uh, downtime. But since I took precious little downtime, I ended up um, not engaging very deeply. Now, however, um, one, I, I find that first-person shooter video games is an amazing training ground for anxiety, stress, because you're putting yourself to a very stressful situation and finding out how to rapidly de-escalate that. So that was sort of the first way where I was like, wow, I'm doing this because I just want to, let's be really honest. But while I'm here, uh, I might as well start practicing this. And that ended up giving it some real utility. Um, and then I suckered my wife into playing and now she's really good and loves playing. So it also was quality time. So I'm always trying to find ways to make it work double duty. Now that we're creating a studio, obviously um, I have the wonderful luxury of needing to watch that stuff. The whole batch of new shows that we're gonna be coming out with that we're building the new set out that we plan to be shooting sometime in early October. Um, all of that stuff is geared around media. So I'm having to really get back into the swing. So um, building your life in such a way that it facilitates the things that you want to do is very important. And that's why I don't mind working as much as I work because I love the things that I do for work. So um, if you can find a way, like if you really want to watch this stuff or play video, like 
It is not a mistake, by the way, that so many of the huge YouTube accounts are video game accounts. I was watching this thing on really understanding the YouTube algorithm, and it just so happens that video game playing on YouTube, not because it's video games, but because they happen to be long and they happen to be engaging, so people watch a lot of it, um, and it's youth-focused. Like All of that stuff plays into why those accounts get so popular. So if you really want to play, start streaming. So there's just a lot of ways that you can force something like that to work double duty. So that's my answer. Um, Katiuska, Katiuska Wrangle, Tom, how do you invest your weekends to make the best out of them? Uh, so first and foremost, my number one priority on the weekends, my number one priority is to reconnect with my wife. I ignored the shit out of her in non-business ways. We engage deeply in business during the week, but oh dear God, like from the time I wake up till the time I go to bed, I'm working. So we don't get quality time during the week. So that's number one priority in the weekend. I want to reconnect with her. Now, I also want to make that work double duty. So uh, my wife and I play video games together. So it's both selfish time and quality time. And it feeds into some of the new content that we're doing. We watch shows together that we both love. So that's feeding into some of the new content that we're doing. But it's also something that we really enjoy doing just together. Um, so yeah, that's a big thing. And then the only work that I do on the weekends, like real sort of raw work, not only because every now and then I get sucked into a contract or something like that, but for the most part, the only work that I do on the weekends is stuff that I consider fun. So I would happily do it on the weekends, even though it's technically work. Um, so engaging with the community, I do that a lot more on the weekends than I do during the week, but that's a lot of fun for me. So even though it's part of our marketing strategy, um, I really enjoy it. Watching content, like things about YouTube or whatever, reading, um, I, I love learning. So on the weekends, doing that kind of work is, you just, you don't have to ask me to do it. I'm gonna do it. And I could spend hours and hours and hours um, researching on the weekend and, and just be a happy, happy camper. So, and I don't let myself do very, much of that during the week because because I enjoy it, uh, I'm always a little suspicious uh, that it's the right thing to do. So that's how I spend my weekends. YouTube, Charmy Yo. Hey, Tom, I am obese and working hard to lose the weight. How would you advise on the mental side? Dude, I fucking love this, man. So thank you. Obviously, the way that you worded that is super vulnerable, and I just have mad, mad, mad respect for that. So here it is, except that this is going to be a really long journey, um, and that is uh, just the way that it's going to be. And don't expect to lose 100 pounds in the next three weeks. It's not going to work like that. So it took me two years to lose 60 pounds, to give you an idea. So this is the kind of thing, like you're going to chip away at it over time, over time, over time, and you have to really be excited about where you're going to end up. So for instance, they say the people that set the bigger goals are more likely to achieve their goals. So if you're actually obese, instead of saying, I want to get to a healthy weight or I want to lose 50 pounds, fuck that. Say, I want to look like Hugh Jackman in X-Men. Okay, now we're talking because that is a compelling future. And by the way, I use that example because that was exactly what I did. I wanted to look like Hugh Jackman. I became absolutely obsessed. I hung images of him up everywhere so that I could look at it, be motivated, be super stoked and be driven to do that. Now, this was back in X-Men 1, so he got really big in later X-Men, so I fear that I never matched him in subsequent X-Men movies, uh, but I got reasonably close to X-Men number one. So 
um, have a future that is very, very compelling to you, obsess over it and accept that you're gonna have to go all out every day for years to make it happen. And by the way, don't be afraid to do what I call release valve days. So if on a Saturday you wanna have a cheap meal, don't cheat all day, I used to do that. And so during the week, even if you're starving yourself, which I did by the way, and do not suggest, even if you're starving yourself during the week, by the time you get back to that next Saturday, you've only gotten a tiny bit ahead. So you're constantly like, you're taking two steps forward and 1.9 steps back, and it just ends up being a waste of your time. So, but you do need to find things you really enjoy. Like if your thing is like popcorn at the movies, then cool, on a Saturday, have a big fuck off bag of popcorn while you watch the movie. No problem. You need to have those little release valve moments to make sure that you're going to stick with it for the long term. Got to think about it as a lifestyle. And by the way, might I recommend, because you want specific things mentally, bright lines, bright lines, bright lines. So that's going to be the technique that will serve you the most. So you need to have a set number of things that you eat during the day, period. That's it. You never deviate from that. So if you know what you eat on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, those are the things that you eat, never ever deviate. And yes, that means that there's gonna be times where you're starving, you're distracted, you really want it. And the only thing that's gonna save you is you're the type of person that never breaks your bright lines, period. So at that point, because your identity demands it, you'll suffer instead of caving in and going and grabbing it. Because when the line is bright and you know, these are the things that I can eat today, that's it. There's just nothing else for you. So don't let it be wishy-washy at all. You got to make sure that it's just super, super clear. And then identity, right? I'm the type of person that. I'm the type of person that sets a goal and sticks with it for years, even when it sucks and hurts. I'm the type of person that's always learning more so that this gets easier. I'm the type of person that uses bright lines. Like all that stuff is going to build into it. All right. Facebook, David Bomber, Tom, we have very similar upbringing, specifically our family. My mom is extremely obese and my sister is even worse. She's 37 and has lived with my mom for the past 14 years. I've tried tons of different approaches to help uh, them, I would assume, over the years. What did you do to help your family turn themselves around? Absolutely nothing. So I want you to meet your family with compassion and love and accept that they may very well spend the absolute rest of their life obese and that just is what it is. But if every time they're around you, they feel better about themselves because you love them and you want to be around them, because keep in mind, there's so much shame around being obese that if when you're around them, you make it abundantly fucking clear that you're not ashamed of them, that you love them no matter what, that you're honored to be with them, to be seen with them, like that's such a big deal for them. And people that are struggling with that, like that that alone is like the most beautiful gift that you could ever give them. And that's gonna make your relationship with them better because what you really want is to see them happy. And if what you really want is to see them happy, but they're struggling with that and they're having a really hard time, then help them like be a bright spot in their life. That is the coolest thing you could ever do for them. Now, I will say that my sister had a massive transformation and the transformation that she had was a result of Quest Nutrition made food that she could choose based on taste and it happened to be good for her. So that was amazing, but she did all the hard work. It was not me preaching to her or nothing like that. She just thought, whoa, this is cool. I actually want to eat this. So instead of a bag of M&Ms or whatever, I'm gonna have this cookie dough bar. And so that was really transformative. But at the end of the day, like that's something that she did. I was not beating her over the head or anything like that. So um, that's just meeting people with compassion and love is really the truthful answer. All right, Facebook. Hassam, 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 Fadafar. Yep, 
I like that. All right, here we go. How do you feel about the video game theory where there is a billion to one chance that we are all not living in a video? Okay, so this is um, what's called simulation theory. So do I think that we're living in the matrix? Um, this is outside of my area of expertise. Let's start with that. I have only to tell you that my gut is that we're not in a simulation. Um, that's pure gut instinct. So what the fuck does that matter? I will say that one of the brightest mathematicians on the planet right now, a guy named Spiros Michalakis, um, says that we are living in a quantum simulation. And it was utterly fascinating to hear him explain what that means. And that it's not like a computer simulation, that there are sort of all an infinite number of possibilities essentially that are all happening all at the same time and that it depends on your perspective that you're looking at something from and that we're basically the result of quantum probability and that at the base level everything is chaos yay um i i am gonna have him on one of the new shows i'll let him go into that for himself it was utterly fascinating it was one of the most interesting two hours of my life um and i've made the team here sit through my explanation of it from top to finish i won't make you guys do that but I will subject you to Spiros himself, who I think is mind-bendingly cool. Uh, he's got a pretty good explanation for why it's not a computer simulation, at least not a simulation like we think. Um, yeah, that's my gut. But I don't think it matters either way. And that's the punchline, which is why I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And just to address the Elon Musk thing, um, that that's a whole probabilistic equation. So I get the probability that if we can agree that humans are marching ever towards creating a simulation of our environment and simulating humans and their environment, um, that they will then create more humans in that environment that will move towards creating a simulation than the uh, essentially the odds are that we're in what they call an nth generation simulation. So we're a simulation in a simulation in a simulation. And what are the odds that we're in the baseline reality? And people say virtually zero. All right, Stacy Lee, Facebook. Hi, Tom. English is my second language. And since grade school, I've always had what felt like a learning challenge. I read a lot more now, but still have difficulty writing. Please talk about how it was like when you weren't good, getting good marks in school and how did you start excelling? Thank you so much. Well, here's the bad news. I always got good grades in school because I cheated. Uh, so the real thing is how did I end up doing well in college where I refused to cheat? Um, and that was just do an inhuman amount of work. So if you're willing to throw enough energy at it, chances are that you're going to get great. And by the way, the episode that dropped to yesterday. The episode that dropped yesterday with Olympia Lapointe, she talks a lot about this and was a terrible student, failed, um, algebra, calculus, chemistry, or something else, and geometry, thank you. And she ultimately went on to be a legitimate rocket scientist. So the way that she did it was doing a lot of work, studying harder than other people, taking people up on every opportunity to get tutored, um, teaching other people so that it was reinforced in her that she had to figure it out even more with them in order to help them. So that really is the answer. Just do more, do more, do more. Don't beat yourself up for the fact that it doesn't come easy to you. Praise yourself for the fact that you're willing to put in that work. All right, Facebook, Ramin Jahedi. Hi, Tom, how do you get famous people to agree to come on an interview on your shows? The only real answer to that is there is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Finesse, Christopher, who is, he has spent the last 20 plus years building his reputation in the industry, knowing everybody, and we convinced him to come on the show. How on the 
world, how in the world, how in the world did we convince Christopher to come? That's a woman named Courtney, who is the showrunner of Impact Theory. How did we convince her? I'm not even sure. Uh, at the end of the day, I think part of it is, I promise people, you will never find somebody that'll work harder than me. I will never let you down. And then the big thing is, man, get me in the room with people and I will get them passionate about what I'm trying to accomplish. And because I'm willing to work so hard, I think people gravitate towards what we're doing. They understand that I'm willing to play this game for a long time. And by the way, it doesn't hurt that I built a billion dollar company. So you put all of that together. I've got the credibility. They can look me in my eye and see how hard I'm willing to work. And I know how to infect other people with my excitement and my passion. And then they got to see the interviews and the interviews were, even in the beginning when they were bad compared to what they are now, they were, better than most. So work your ass off. That's the real answer. Or I worked my ass off and surrounded myself with unbelievably talented and hardworking people. All right. YouTube, Josh Moranian. Can you elaborate on how you worked with Lisa to help her foster a growth mindset when you two were younger? I want to help my girlfriend, but she sees her anxiety as an overwhelming obstacle, thanks. Uh, I think it would be very unfair to say that I worked with Lisa to help her get a growth mindset. We were sort of discovering it together. We were encouraging each other, um, pushing each other, expecting something from each other, and we just communicated through that whole process, like over communication, letting each other know what was going on inside of our heads, being honest about pettiness and insecurity, all things it helped. And we just had a real desire to work as a couple and meaning to work out, to be together forever. And having read the book, The Power of Myth, I really took my vows seriously. I went through a ritualistic scarification to remind myself that I was different before my marriage than after. So it was like divorce was always off the table. It was never going to be an option. So that only leaves living in misery, option one, or working it out, option two. So we were just constantly looking for ways to get better. So couple that with then getting into entrepreneurship and really learning about what it takes to look at metrics and say either this is working or it's not, to take extreme ownership, all that stuff. All right, Facebook, Thomas Wazinski. I found a massive amount of white space in my industry. As of right now, I can't tell if it's going to head nowhere or if it's headed towards an extremely successful guerrilla marketing strategy. What would you do to determine the outcome? I would look at human nature. And when something that nobody else is doing aligns with what I know to be true about humans, that's when it's like, I don't care if anybody believes in this, I'm going all in. So take personal branding. Dude, I am all in on this personal branding shit because I understand the way that humans relate to other humans. So looking at what was happening with social media, understanding the whole notion of influencers and influential marketing and the way that just all of us want to extract knowledge from somebody else for our own selfish gains, that we could create something where the ultimate marketing vehicle was to add value to people's lives. Then the way that people feel about somebody that helped them make their life better, they feel grateful. If you get an army of people that feel truly grateful to you, like you've changed their life, right? So I could keep going, but you get it. It's like, those are all things that are true about humans. So I look at the opportunity and I think that that's true with what I know about humans. So even though when I first started doing this, which now I can't believe is almost three years ago, people were like, you're out of your fucking mind. This doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing this? What's a protein bar guy doing? I'm trying to talk about mindset. It just was very, very apparent to me that in the long run, this would work and work very, very well. All right. Three minutes. Anna Martinez from Facebook. Tom, I saw in an interview with Dr. Shafali, you discussed that you and your wife decided not to have children. Can you tell us how you guys came to this conclusion? Yes. So it started with um, 
two years, two years. Let's have kids in two years, two years. I just wanted to take the time to really um, enjoy being married to, we had no money, so I didn't want to be broke and have kids. And even though like everybody in my life kept saying, oh, there's never a perfect time to have kids, that just didn't make sense to me. So I was like, yeah, I'm not having kids when I'm dirt poor. That doesn't make sense. That just, money's already fucking stressful. So the thought of adding, and this is how I used to think of kids, a witness to my crimes, um, because it was like, if I lose my job, like there's someone there that depends on that. There's like, it's bad enough if I fail my wife. It is horrifying to me if I fail my wife and my kids. And now like, they don't eat. Oh God, like it just really terrified me. So it was two more years, two more years. Let me just really amass some wealth. Then it was like, wow, I really enjoy being with my wife. Like this, this shit is fun. And I'm reading all of this time. I'm reading about kids. And I remember one Christmas asking people to get me essentially every book on parenting they could, because I'm not going to go into this blind. I'm going to learn everything there is about pregnancy, about what happens to the female brain, about what happens to parents once they have kids, how to rear kids, all of it. So I'm reading about all of this stuff going, whoa, like this shit is serious. And there is uh, a great line, read so that you may learn with ease what other people have learned with great difficulty. So there's also another one, a fool never learns, a smart man learns from his mistakes, and a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. So I'm reading all this stuff, like getting really freaked out because everybody is saying like, whoa, the one thing you don't understand about having kids is how much time it takes and how like all consuming it is. And I just thought, I started building strategies out for how I was gonna keep that from happening. So I didn't immediately go to, I'm not gonna have kids, by the way. I went to the thing I call the padded room. So my initial strategy was I was gonna build a padded room. I was gonna get rich. Then I was gonna build a padded room in my house. And the padded room would be a child's wonderland. There would be all soft toys, plush toys, a TV behind plexiglass that was hidden behind paneling so there were no screws or anything so that everything was just soft and wonderful and the child could never hurt themselves. And I would shut them in that room when I needed two or three hours to myself. Now, when I told people about my padded room strategy, they were mortified. And even though I did not have children, I felt like people were about to call Child Protective Services on me. Uh, and I wanted to remind people, I am seeing I've not actually done this. It's just a strategy I'm contemplating. And by the way, the only downside to that I see, because you don't leave them in there forever, the only downside to that I see is what happens if something happens to you and it becomes like a Gerald's game moment where if I had an aneurysm and died and the poor child then is stuck in the room, that seems like a very bad strategy. But if you have an aneurysm and die, then they're stuck in the house in general anyway, and they're probably screwed. So it probably is still a good strategy. I'm just very grateful that I don't have to convince the world of that because the amount of hate mail that I would get if I actually did that would be obscene. Uh, so through that process of me really trying to figure this out, I realized, A, I just love being around my wife way too much. Nature's going to ensure that the child will be her top priority even if it doesn't make it mine, and it may, more terrifyingly, make it my top priority. Then the best piece of advice that I ever got about parenting was, Tom, have kids, don't have kids, it doesn't matter, but whatever you do, do it all the way. And I realized the thing I wanna do all the way is build my business. And there we ended up not having kids. And obviously my wife and I talking about it the whole way, she felt the same. By the time we got into Quest, we felt like we had 1400 people in our family and it was beautiful and it gave us a kind of connection and fulfillment uh, that we wanted. And we have two Minucci's, um, which are the love uh, of our furry little lives. Uh, so they're amazing and give us some minor glimmer uh, of what that would be like. And it's enough between all the things that we're doing and building and all of that and just our natural personalities. All right, I'm way over my three minutes. Thank you. Uh, guys, 
thank you for this. This was a lot of fun. I always enjoyed the shit out of these. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for submitting your questions. I will be eternally, eternally grateful. And thank you once again for helping us get to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're growing insanely fast. Our goal is to get to 115 by October 1st. It is not gonna happen easily. So if you guys could share this content, if it added value, that would mean the world to us. All right, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.